0: Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 181. Does your podcast need interaction or an email list? Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. There's been a lot of talk, it seems like forever online, about email lists. Every marketer says, have an email list, build your email list, start early, promote it often. So, so important to get your email list going. but does this really matter to your podcast? I know a lot of podcasters out there will also say, "Get your email list going in the beginning, and it always seems to be these marketers who are saying it. The people who sell a lot of stuff or in some way have really big email lists and they cite big numbers saying, oh yeah, my email list in one day sold $90,000 or a million dollars and stuff. And it's always very big lists that they're working with. Keep that in mind. Very big lists or very expensive products and the people that they're promoting these expensive products to are very wealthy people or people who see these expenses as investments. But does an email list really matter to you as a podcaster? Should you have one for your audience? That's one of the assumptions that we're going to challenge in this episode. But also starting out with this assumption will be, do you need interaction with your audience to be a podcaster? Because one of the things that sets us apart from big media is generally how responsive most podcasters are, in addition to the fact that there's passion and you can find a podcast about just about any topic there is that you might be interested in hearing So do you have to have interaction in your podcast, interacting with other people like co-hosts or guests, or interacting with your audience in order to have a successful podcast? These are two of the assumptions that I'm going to challenge in this episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm on this little mini-series of challenging the podcasting assumptions. You can see the full list of episodes in the show notes for this episode at the Audacity Podcast dot com slash one eighty one. You can also jump straight to the full list of episodes at the Audacity dot com slash assumptions. But I've covered stuff like Does SEO really matter? Should you have an episode zero? Does iTunes new and noteworthy matter? That one, I think, is going to end up being the new, very popular episode because I keep sending people. So many people to that episode, because so many people are talking about, "Oh, here are the top 10 strategies to get in new and noteworthy," or, oh, I'm only a new and noteworthy for these so many weeks. Should I do this or that?" And there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of myth around new and noteworthy, so that's why that episode is getting very popular with that, where I cover that, and so much more. So check out the show notes where you'll also be able to follow along with everything that I share here in this episode. At theaudacitytopodcast dot com slash one eighty one. Let's start out with interaction. Do you need to interact with your audience? If you go far back, or really not that far back, in the archives for the Audacity to Podcast, you have heard me say for a while that you need Pod to podcast P O D, and that was an acronym I came up with to describe what a podcast needs. That's passion organization and dialogue. I still think that's basically what a podcast needs, but now looking back, I think I was trying to be too cute and I held on to that for a very long time. And now I prefer marketing in a not necessarily cute way, but a more accurate descriptive way that I do now. And I would say then that dialogue is very important and using that acronym of pod, what I would even point out is that if your dialogue doesn't if your podcast doesn't have dialogue, then your listeners might be PO'd. And it's something that not every podcast needs dialogue, but maybe something you should consider. Now, this specific topic of should you or do you need to interact with your audience was suggested by Ben Avery from Welcome to Level 7, the unofficial Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. You can check them out at welcometolevel7.com. But there are basically three kinds of interaction. I've had episodes previously where I talked about different ways that you can receive feedback from your audience, as well as how to ask for feedback and get your audience to send feedback for your podcast. I have links to those two episodes in the show notes for this episode, number 181. But every method of feedback really seems to come down to basically three styles of online interaction, public, private, and shared. Number one, public. Look at this as like the social network interactions. If you have any public presence, then you open yourself to public responses. These can be critiques. These can be uh, positive and negative pieces of feedback. They could just be responses saying thank you or hey, really appreciated this or this was really cool or just sharing what you're doing online. It could be on Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube, any other kind of social network or online community that you have out there. People might be responding to you or interacting with your content in these different ways. You can usually respond to many of these fairly quickly, but depending on how popular you are, you may get more things than you can respond to in a reasonable amount of time. But at least responding somewhat, even if you can't respond to every single thing, responding to some level can demonstrate some accessibility and personality for you, which is always helpful to have with your podcast and if you're a public personality, which you are if you have anything like a blog or podcast online where you're producing content, you are in a sense becoming a public personality. Some platforms are a little bit one way in their interaction, like podcast reviews. If you go into iTunes and leave a podcast review, no one can respond to that. The most that they can do is they can say yes this was helpful, no this wasn't helpful, or they can report it to iTunes for some reason. If you post a comment or a review for me in iTunes or Stitcher or certain other platforms that may offer reviews in the future, Most of them work in this format where I'm unable to reply to you, which really stinks because there are so many reviews that I don't know exactly who is behind that review other than thinking them in the podcast. I'd love to be able to just respond to them in the review and say thank you very much, even especially the critical feedback. Sometimes I'd love to ask a question or just point them to somewhere where they could send me more feedback and give me more details because when I receive critical feedback I try to pull out what I can learn from this and try to find out what was it about this that merited that feedback, what might I have done or how could I maybe have communicated this better. I'm going to have a whole other episode about dealing with feedback, positive, negative feedback, as well as episodic feedback for your podcast. That will be a completely different episode later on. So feel free to send some feedback on that for me to use in the feedback episode. That'll be so meta, but I'm already meta since I have a podcast about podcasting. The second way, so that's number one, public and social network interactions. Number two is private or direct feedback. If you offer any kind of direct contact methods, like an email address, voicemail, a contact page, speak pipe, anything like that, where people can send you email or voicemail, then you have the option of engaging in a private conversation. These types of conversations usually involve much deeper information, more details, and sometimes they're private. Sometimes they can give you content for your show. Interaction style number three is shared, and this is some kind of guest appearance. Either you appearing as a guest somewhere else, like writing guest blog posts, being a guest co-host, sending in guest feedback, or you inviting someone from your audience or someone else in the community to be a guest in your content. This turns what could otherwise be just a presentation or a monologue even into a conversation. This may not be ideal for your show or for every person that you may think of inviting to your show. I know that there have been Guests that I've heard in other podcasts before, where they referred to a particular person several times, they'd read their feedback, whatever, and then they get that person into the podcast, and it was a flop, total flop, where the person just wasn't as engaging, didn't have as useful information. Sometimes people are very different when they're in a conversation versus when they're just sending something to you. Or where they have the moment to think through what they're writing. So, the three kinds of interactions online public social network interactions, number two, private direct feedback, and number three, shared guest experiences. There are several benefits to having interaction in your podcast. Here are five benefits for you that make this a potential win for both you and your audience. Number one, including feedback, brings extra perspectives. If I say something in the podcast that's opinionated or maybe just I haven't considered everything out there, you might send feedback and you have and many other people have like you and I get a better perspective of something. I get more options. I discover a new way of thinking about something. Like several of these episodes of my Challenging Podcasting Assumptions series have been inspired by feedback, the perspective, and new perspectives on things that I hadn't thought of challenging before. And someone would raise the issue of, well, is this really that important? And then I realized, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that is Important, or maybe that's not important anymore. So that's number one, brings extra perspectives. Number two, benefit of interaction is it provides new content. Depending on the style of your show, getting interaction with your audience may help you find or create new content to share in your podcast. This is especially true if you have a QA style podcast. Because if no one's asking questions, then it's hard to provide answers unless you make up questions, which you can do when you're starting out and then work toward getting those questions from your audience. It could also be where you are presenting many different theories about an idea or a TV show or a movie, anything like that, and your audience is providing more feedback by giving different theories and ideas and interpretations. Number three, having Interaction and feedback with your podcast makes your community feel valued. Because when I say, oh, this idea was inspired by this person, or so and so sent in this feedback and said this, when I'm quoting you, you feel more valued. You feel like, wow, I I was on that podcast. And there's a little bit of the celebrity status thing that I know we get. And I get it when I'm listening to other podcasts too. And I hear my name mentioned, like someone in a podcast had a top list of their top podcasts. And I was number 36 or 37, I think, of almost near the bottom of this list. But still, that I was mentioned was just amazing to me. I, th- I, did- I had no reason to expect I would be on the list. And I was just so honored. I felt so valued that someone else would mention me. Same thing goes with other podcasts that are my friends, where I feel like we're on the same level. When they mention me, I feel valued in some way. So when you interact with your audience, even if it's not public, but you interact with them in some way, you're making them feel more valued. And people like belonging to groups where they feel more valued. Number four benefit of interaction, it positions you as personal and approachable. Even if you can't respond to every single piece of feedback you receive, that you can respond somewhere and that you can show that publicly in some way, people will get to see, wow, he's open to other ideas. He's open to receiving feedback and shares this and has opinions on these things and is willing to change on some of these things and different approaches and interpretations and actions that you might take, but it does show to your audience that you are human and if they need your help or if they want to send you some feedback, then they'll feel more comfortable doing it if they know someone else has already done it and you've responded positively to it. Number five benefit of interaction is it converts commenters into raving fans. This is a good strategy for building your podcast is quoting and referring to your audience. Because what happens sometimes, especially with younger listeners, is when they hear their own name mentioned or their feedback included, they're very likely to share it with other people and say, hey, look, I sent in this feedback to this podcast and they played it on the air. This is so awesome. You got to listen to this. And people start to learn about the content that's out there by word of mouth, people spreading it but even if it's not growing your podcast it is turning your podcast into a community of raving fans you get those people who send in feedback on quite a regular basis and some of your community may get to know them but other people will send in feedback and if you include their feedback then they'll feel so honored by that and they want to stick around because they this goes back to point number three they feel more valued and they become raving fans. So number one brings extra perspectives. Number two provides new content. Number three makes your community feel valued. Number four positions you as personal and approachable. And number five converts commenters into raving fans. Now let's be honest there are some disadvantages to interaction and it may not always be a good thing for your podcast. So I've got five disadvantages that you may want to consider. And each of these are may things. It's not, yes, these will happen, but these may happen. Number one, having interaction with your podcast may distract from your presentation. If you, for example, chat room and live streaming is a really good example of this, or maybe that'd be a very bad example. It's a good example of a bad situation. There we go. If I'm running a chat room, which I do with the Audacity to Podcast, I live stream it on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That's over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live. In fact, right now, I see in the chat room Chris, Jeff, Debbie, and Troy, and a few anonymouses in there. I could get distracted from that, from the feedback that I'm receiving from my audience while I'm trying to present my content. That's in an extreme case where you're live streaming, but even if you're using feedback, the feedback could distract, distract as well and i've seen this as my own fault sometimes in our once upon a time podcast where i see that we received a piece of feedback in some of my older episodes i would do this where someone one of my co-hosts was describing something sharing a theory or pointing something out and then i would say yeah that's just like this piece of feedback we received and then i would read read the feedback which sometimes it's my cutting that other person off from really presenting the way they want to. And it it's, can sometimes be distracting to then quote from feedback unless it fits in. So this is a may thing. Number two, using interaction in your podcast may be redundant. If I make a case for you for the five reasons to do something in your podcast... And then I include feedback where someone says, I have three reasons, and they, two of them are the exact same as mine, then it's redundant. Either what I said is unnecessary or what they said is unnecessary. And then it just becomes more time spent on the same information that's no longer necessary to cover. I've run into this too with my Once Upon a Time podcast, where one of us will share a theory sometimes before sometimes after a piece of feedback and the feedback may not have been necessary to read in full that is what we could have said and this is the way I've transitioned to it more in recent episodes and I think this works really well and it's a good balance and that is if someone one of my co-hosts presents a theory they've presented it well enough and covered the bases and I'm looking over some feedback at the same time as listening to them And I see this is some feedback that's also related, but it sounds like my co-host just covered all of these points. So all I say in the podcast is, yeah, so-and-so also made that same point, and I think they would fully agree with you on that observation. So I've still given credit to the person who sent the feedback, but I didn't have to read their paragraph or paragraphs or played minutes of audio for them saying essentially the same thing, but just in a different way. But I'm still giving them credit for saying, yeah, so and so thought of that too. So, number two, disadvantage, it may be redundant to include the interaction. Number three, it may raise irrelevant issues for your show. This happens a lot in fan podcasts where you're a fan of a TV show and you may decide that there are just certain things not worth talking about. Like, for example, how many movies. Have you watched and actually thought about, wait a minute, I've never seen anyone take a bathroom break. Does anyone have to use the restroom in these movies? And you never see it and you think, wait, when, at what point did they get a chance to use the restroom? How, how is this possible? Is that really something worth discussing? Probably not in certain other cases, maybe it is. But feedback can sometimes raise these issues. That's why it can be helpful to edit the feedback down to the core, valuable, relevant information. So number three, interaction and feedback may raise irrelevant issues. Number four, it may not be where you want to take the show. You may receive some feedback where someone brings some great points up, but they do so in a very negative way or they start referencing all sorts of other things that could maybe be a stretch connection, but it's just not the kind of information that you necessarily want to show or the kind of stuff that you think fits in with your show. That's because your show is based on your perspective and that of your co-hosts, if you have any. Not necessarily all of the perspectives of everyone who's listening to you, which even if it's 10 people, that's a lot of perspectives out there. Imagine thousands of people listening to you and how many different perspectives and opinions there are. That's number four, may not be where you want to take this show. And number five disadvantage for interaction and including feedback is it may be too low quality to use. Depending on how people send in their feedback, it's possible that It's not something you can actually use in your podcast from such low audio quality or their grammar is horrible or they took pages and pages to write what they could have said in two sentences. You don't always have to use this stuff. But as much as possible, if you're not going to include interaction very heavily in your show, at least acknowledge it as much as possible, even if it's just saying, Thanks to Bob, Jim, Sally, Sue, and Allison for sending your feedback this episode. We talked about some of these points and we really appreciate the feedback. That can be great. A great way of acknowledging that they sent it without actually having to include it and running into maybe some of these disadvantages. So does your podcast have to have interaction to be a podcast? No, it doesn't. A lot of these things don't have to be this way to be a podcast. But if you want a successful podcast, I do recommend having as much interaction as fits your show. Look at what Michael Hyatt does. He has a great podcast and he just recently is completely changing the format of it. But for his first 100 episodes, it was basically a monologue, but then he would have some interaction as he would answer certain questions from his listeners that tied in with the content he was covering in that particular episode it's a great approach to do especially if you're able to plan out in advance and tell people send me feedback about this thing and it worked really well and does work really well for him works very well for other shows even for podcasters who aren't as popular so it's not the cause of becoming popular but I do think it is a good way to become more successful with your podcast I'll talk more about handling feedback, positive, negative, and feedback for your podcast in your podcast later on in a separate episode. But as much as you can, try to interact. Even if it's as simple as, thank you for the feedback, I'll try to work this in if I can. Anything like that that acknowledges to your audience that you received their feedback and in some way makes them feel valued from the feedback that they gave look at how traditional media does this tv shows news broadcasts talk shows scripted and unscripted content on television and radio most of them have drastically increased how much they're incorporating audience participation into their content some of sometimes it seems a little cheesy as they read certain tweets or a social stream but so many of them are also simply pointing you to a place where you can continue a conversation even if they don't include your conversation or your talking points into their show. Like for example, you watch a TV show and they almost never include your feedback in the show or make an episode based on your feedback. Sometimes they do, sometimes not. But They do point you to an official hashtag and the cast and crew are certainly on social networks interacting with their fans. So find what fits for your show and whatever you do, try to be as human as possible and help make other people feel valued. That's what helps grow a podcast and makes a podcast successful is when you've communicated well and helped your audience in some way and one way of helping them is helping them feel more valued. Even if you can't be 100% accessible, try at least some way of interacting that demonstrates that you are listening and interacting as much as you can. I'd love your thoughts on interaction, so please interact with this content by going to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 181. Now, email lists. I will do Another episode later on to talk more about how to set up an email list, the complete ways of how you could use an email list and giving you an idea and how to grow it and all of this stuff. So, that's not what this episode is about. This episode and discussion is about whether you need an email list to have a successful podcast because so many marketers are saying, Build your list, build your list. It's all in the list. It's like the universal marketing advice for bloggers, podcasters, businesses, if you're online, every marketer will probably tell you, build your list. So is this really something that matters for a successful podcast? And something that you should consider doing whether you're just starting out or if you've been podcasting for a long time. First, let me show you a few things that you could do with an email list. And like I said, I will cover these and much more in more detail in a future episode. So these are just five quick ideas of how you could use an email list for your podcast. Number one, you could use it to notify your audience of new episodes. Number two, you could provide extra content, maybe an inside perspective, extra tips or tricks or other things. Number three, announce important things like, hey, I'm going live tomorrow at one o'clock or I'll be at such and such conference. I'd love to see you there. I'm passing through a certain area. Are you available for a meetup? Anything like that or you launch something new or you have a big episode announcement. Anything big you can announce through your email list. Number four, request specific feedback. I occasionally do this with the Audacity podcast and it works really well where I've set up my email list so that the send from email address is a real email address that can receive email. If you're sending email from something that says no reply at mydomain.com, then you're basically telling your audience, I don't want to interact with you. I don't care what you have to say. But I like to include or use my feedback address, if not my personal address, for sending those messages. So if someone clicks the reply and sends a message, I receive that message. So I use that in my email that I ask people or tell people, please let me know. What do you think about this? Or please send back your experience with this. Just hit the reply button and that will come directly to me. That's number four, request specific feedback. And number five, you can share other interesting stuff. I just got an email today from a wordpress plugin developer and i've purchased a few of his plugins up to this point and he sent an email about another wordpress plugin that he did not create but it's a really good one and he likes it and so he was recommending it to his audience as well just because he found some other interesting stuff this could be information from your competitors it could be other information that applies in your industry uh, some other blog posts that you can apply. For example, I'm in the podcasting space, but so much of what people say about blogging can also apply to podcasting, like writing great sentences and coming up with great titles, how to curate content. All of that applies to podcasting as well. So I could point people to that. I could give it a low opinion and say, go here, read this article, and I'd love to hear from you what you think and of this content. So five ways that you can use an email list with your podcast and i will cover these in much more detail and have more ways in the future but five quick ideas for you so when you have these ideas and you're incorporating them in some way with your email list then there are a few benefits that you can get from having an email list for your podcast number one a direct connection with your audience When you subscribe to my podcast, I don't know who you are. You could have been subscribed since episode one through iTunes, through Stitcher, through whatever app you use. I don't know your name. I don't know your phone number. I don't know where you're from. I don't know the name of your podcast. I don't know anything about you because unless you've sent any feedback or any interaction before, I have no way of knowing anything about you, except maybe I can see I'm getting downloads from a particular app in a particular location. That's it. There's no personal information associated with that. With an email list, you have direct connection with your audience. You can see by looking at certain email addresses, you can see, oh, that's John Smith, or I recognize that email address, that's Jeff. And you can also have a direct connection by sending them messages, either just a one-on-one or sending them some kind of email newsletter. And that is going directly into their inboxes, which is the most personal inbox we have. See, the mailbox, we're used to getting lots of junk in that. We sort through it, throw things away. We, today, it seems we don't get much personal stuff in the literal mailbox from the U.S. Postal Service. And that's not inside our homes. We Normally, we go out to the street, get the mail, bring it back in. Your email inbox is in your home and you bring it with you too. It might be on your mobile device. You might be checking it at work and from home. It's a place that you can check from multiple places as well as it is extremely accessible and may notify you the moment you receive something new. So when you send an email, it's far more direct than a tweet or a podcast episode or a blog post. That's number one, direct connection with your audience. Number two, easy opportunities for feedback by allowing replies, like I mentioned earlier. Number three, you can build trust for recommending or announcing products and services if you're putting out quality content and you are sending emails fairly frequently, then when you do send an email to announce a new product or service you offer or recommend something else that someone else offers, people will trust that more because they know you've been recommending good things or you've been providing quality feedback. They respect your opinion. And so an email that recommends something might be far more powerful than a podcast episode that recommends something. Because in the podcast episode, like in this episode, I recommend that you sign up for MailChimp at the Audacity to slash MailChimp. I just spent fewer than 10 seconds to tell you that. That's 10 seconds in an episode that will probably be about 45 minutes long of podcast content. 10 seconds. You may remember that. You may not remember that. But if I send you an email, if you're subscribed to my email list at theaudacitypodcast.com, and I say, this is the email service I highly recommend. Check it out. By the way, here are some other email service providers you could also check out. That will be so much more helpful for you if that's the kind of information you wanted. And it's more likely that you'll take action to sign up for that product or service that I recommend than if I mentioned it here in fewer than 10 seconds within 45 minutes of audio content. That's number three, build trust for recommending or announcing products and services. Number four, profit from quick actions. A lot of marketers will tell you stuff like, yeah, I made a million dollars overnight by sending just one email. Now that's one email to Maybe 10,000, 20,000 people, and it's a $1,000 product, anything like that. Sure. There are all kinds of metrics there and stuff that I am far from that. My email list for the Audacity podcast hasn't even cracked a 1,000 yet, but that's fine. It's not a numbers game to me. It's not even a dollar game to me. It's the connection that matters more. But what's really cool is when you send an email, if it is something that you're able to profit from, very often you'll see profit very quickly as people have learned to trust what you recommend and they may take action on that email because it was something that you sent directly to them through email and you took the time to explain how it's helpful and why they should check it out. And number five, connect your audience with content they may have missed. This is tricky in the podcasting space where we're familiar with subscribing to podcasts, and almost everyone out there who listens to podcasts is usually doing it on a regular basis. So, sending an automated email that announces your latest podcast episode may not be the best idea, or it may be. It really depends on your expectations. I experimented with this a little bit on my own email list where I activated the automatic RSS email campaigns just to see how's this work how effective is it and i saw a drop off in my email list people were unsubscribing and some of their comments were actually stuff like i'm already subscribed to the podcast i don't need an email telling me when there's a new episode because i already get the episodes now what i've done since then is i have a new option on my email list it's not quite public yet but you can email me if you're on the list and let me know you want this but it's a separate option that you can opt in to the announcements of new episodes and that's where if you choose that option then you're added to a subgroup that does receive those messages. But if you have a podcast and you blog on your site that's where an email list may be more valuable uh, with your blog content because blog content is a little bit geekier to subscribe to as well as if you have a podcast Your listeners or viewers may not be visiting your blog as well, so an email list may be able to connect your audience with that other content you've released in different places, stuff that they may have missed, and you're sending it directly to them or giving the link to them so they can check it out. So those are five benefits of an email list. Direct communication with your audience, easy opportunities for feedback by allowing replies, build trust for recommending or announcing products and services, profit from quick actions, and connect your audience with content they may have missed. But again, let's be honest, there are some disadvantages to having an email list and trying to interact with your audience in this way. Number one, it's easier to offend people with frequent or even infrequent content. It's really crazy. It's If you're not consistent and then you send out an email, you may see a lot of people suddenly unsubscribe because they'll have forgotten how they got on that list. They'll have forgotten who you are. They'll have changed their mind and they're no longer interested in it. I'm not so sure that you'll receive more unsubscriptions that way than if you are consistently producing content and people unsubscribe slowly over time instead of just in one swoop where you've sent out an email and you haven't sent any email out for a year so i can't say one way or the other will result in more unsubscriptions but if you are too frequent or too infrequent then it could be very easy to offend people as they aren't used to receiving your content or maybe they're getting tired of so much content number two takes time to create more content If you want to use your email list to distribute extra content and not just be an automated system, then you have to create that content. You write it, whether it's a summary of something you mentioned, recommending something, it's more content to create. And I would say it's worth it, but it is a disadvantage that it could take you more time to do it well. Number three, on the other side of number two, is potentially low value in automated content. If all you're doing is an RSS-powered campaign where every email is just your latest blog post, your latest podcast episode, anything like that, it's not as valuable to your audience unless you're doing blog content. Blog content is a lot more valuable via email. But if you're doing podcast content, maybe not as valuable to them. And also, if they could subscribe to your content in another way, they may not be as interested subscribing to your email list. So you really have to set up the expectations properly. Are you going to email them every day just once a week? What are these emails going to contain? Will they also contain other stuff? Like if I sign up for email updates for every time you release a new blog post or a podcast episode, am I also signing up to here when you launch a new product and you're going to offer me a discount code? Anything like that. Set those expectations up in the beginning That way, even if you do automated content, it's not hurting you too much, but you do still potentially have the problem of a low value to your content if it's automated. And number four, having an email list can seem a little gimmicky if you're just starting out. Like if you've launched your podcast and you have episode one and on the sidebar it has this picture of you know, the fake product picture where it looks like a book or it looks like a video series or anything like that with some cover on it. But it's really just a downloadable product. It's not a physical book. It's not anything you've had published anywhere. But you're advertising this and it's a little marketing. It can seem a bit gimmicky to say, yeah, sign up for this and get the exclusive 10 points for how to grow your podcast audience or anything like that so when you're if you're starting it out, I do recommend grow into it a little bit. Don't try to push it so heavily when you're starting out, but find that place for you because there are no hard rules about this. Find that place that works for you that provides value to your potential subscribers. So, the disadvantages of an email list number one easy to offend with either too frequent or too infrequent content. Number two, takes time to create more content. Number three, potentially low value in automated content. And number four, may seem gimmicky if you're starting out. So in conclusion, do you need an email list to be a successful podcaster? No, I don't think you need an email list to be a successful podcaster. Like look at Leo Laporte. I don't know if I've ever heard him talk about an email list with any of the shows but they're very successful and so are many other podcasts out there and yet there are other podcasters out there who are also very successful and do have an email list cliff ravenscraft uses his email list exclusively to promote new products and services that he offers he almost never provides extra content and by that i mean writing tips Or a review or anything like that in his email. It's always announcing something that in some way will benefit him. That's perfectly okay because he set that expectation up in the beginning to say, sign up for this to be notified of new products I offer, services, anything like that. So he sets it up so you know what to expect. That's the good way to do it. So, should you have an email list? I think it is a good idea to start building your email list if for nothing else it could be an emergency contact method for if something breaks. If you're kicked out of iTunes, if your website fails, if people are expecting content from you and it's not there, your email list can be a way that you can get this emergency content out there as well as it's another way that you can engage and interact with your audience and potentially make money if you do ever release a product or a service that helps you in some way profit from something, then if you send it out to your email list, you could potentially profit from that. Even if you offer no bonus for signing up, at least offer your email list as a way to get any announcements or updates via email. You could start out with something as simple as the FeedBurner RSS system, but then you have to export it into whatever other system you later on use, or start out with a system like I recommend MailChimp. It's free. uh, Many of the plans are free and it's very flexible. So check it out at theaudacitypodcast.com slash MailChimp. And I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode number 181. And if you have separate websites, I do recommend having separate lists for each site. If nothing else, have separate subgroups within a list. Different email providers can do this differently. But for example, in MailChimp, I have a Noodle Mix Network newsletter list. And if you sign up through any of the Noodle Mix Network sites currently, then you'll be added to that list. But when you join the list from a different site, it will by default put you in a certain group on that list. So, if you join through the Audacity to Podcast, by default, it puts you in the podcasting subgroup of Noodle Mix Network newsletter list. But when you sign up, you're also given the chance to choose other content you might be interested in, which adds you to those additional subgroups. I will change this in the future because I realize there's a consequence to this. And that is, for example, if someone signs up for podcasting tips and productivity tips, and then they decide they don't like that I promoted a service through my podcasting list, or they receive too many emails from my podcasting list, or maybe they don't like the episode updates from one of the other lists, they unsubscribe. Instead of customizing their subscription, they unsubscribe. So that means they've unsubscribed from two lists, or more, maybe. Maybe they signed up for five different groups, and one of them bothered them a little bit or was no longer relevant. So they unsubscribed and they're disconnected from those other five groups. So I'm going to be changing this in the future with how I work this into my site using Gravity Forms and MailChimp and some dynamic forms and conditions and stuff. So they'll be added on to completely separate lists, which could be a pain if they want to unsubscribe from all of them, but I'll figure out some way to make that easier for them. So I'd love to hear from you what you think about interaction in podcasts and what you think about email lists if you have an email list i would love to hear from you some of your success stories or maybe lessons that you've learned please comment on the show notes at the audacity to slash 181 i've got two announcements for you again my podcast reviews the affiliate program is very 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 close to launching in fact Some of you have secretly discovered it, but there are no details yet. So make sure that even if you're not a customer, a free or paying customer of My Podcast Reviews, make sure you're on that email list over at mypodcastreviews.com to receive the details of the affiliate program once it launches. And also, Podcast Places is growing. We've discovered some other apps that aren't in the system yet, so we're adding information about how you can get in different apps and directories. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to create videos for these different apps. If you have a particular app that you really like and you want to show people how to add their own podcast to this, I would love to include your video in the site. There's a certain script I would ask you to follow for the beginning and closing, and then you can use your own podcast as the example for submitting into these directories, or you can use a dummy podcast that I'll provide for you, but it's an opportunity for you to say, hi, I'm John from the John Smith podcast at johnsmith.com. And I'm going to show you how to get your podcast in this app. So it can be a way to promote your own show as well as help other people, other podcasters out there on this platform. So if you're interested in that, as well as there will be opportunities to advertise your podcast on the site, some paid opportunities where for so much per month, you'd be able to get a banner on the site because this site podcastplaces.com will become a great resource for podcasters. So if you want to promote your podcast to other podcasters, this can be a great opportunity to do it. If you want more information about that, go over to podcastplaces.com and sign up for the email newsletter list. So both of these places, you'll get more information that's coming very soon by signing up for the email list that's at mypodcastreviews.com as well as podcastplaces.com. I'd love to work with you to help you launch or improve your own podcast. Please email me with your feedback or questions for the podcast. Or if you'd like to hire me to help you podcast, send that to feedback at the audacity, to podcast.com. You can also send your feedback in for the podcast and maybe suggest some other things for me to challenge as podcasting assumptions calling and leaving a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to the website AudacityTopodcast.com on your computer or ios device and send a voice message right through the website maybe the last topic i'll cover in this series will be should you really be podcasting and are we really podcasters i'm looking forward to that that's one i've had planned since the beginning I'm going to close out the series with that. So if there are any other assumptions that you'd like me to challenge before then, or you want to provide your feedback to that, that I'd love to hear from you. Please check the show notes and comment share your stories and experience over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 181. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.